your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Working through the Lord's Prayer. <coughs> Quick refresher on the Lord's Prayer. In this section, Jesus asked by His disciples, how is it that we're to pray? And a reminder is, He starts off not by telling them how to pray, but telling them what not to do. And we talked about how that's something that uh, we do with children, we do with other people, right? If you're about to teach somebody to cook or do something, you start off with, don't touch this, be careful here, and then you get into how to actually do it. And so Jesus warns them about what, how they're not to pray. What are some of the things he says? Just summarize. You don't have to read it, but what's just summarize. What are the things he says to be careful of when you are praying? Do it in private. What's that? Do it in private. Do it in private, right? And this doesn't, of course, mean that never you can never pray corporately because other passages tell us we're supposed to. But what does he mean in particular by that, Mr. Carey, about do it in, in private? What's he saying? What's he mean? Like what some people do is that they pray loud and long. They make sure everybody knows they're praying and right. they get their reward from Right, good. And he says, if that's what you're aiming for, you've, you've, you're going to get your reward here on earth and you will not have it there. Good. What else? I have an interesting anecdote about that. Okay. The Amish do not say grace in restaurants. They don't do it. Do they not? They do not. They all pray around the table. I don't know what they do at home. I've never been in home. Right. And if you were there, they might not do it. They might not do it. But they don't do it because they feel it would be showy and they're crossing over. Wow, interesting. Okay, over here now, Ms. Sandra. Don't use the meaningless repetition. Yeah, good. So then we jumped into the Lord's Prayer, and he says, pray like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We talked about... A lot, of, a lot goes into that little phrase there, our Father in heaven, again shows that it's not just about me and my relationship, although that does exist, but you are a part of God's family, our Father. And the fact that he's our Father is we're adopted into his family. Where is he at? He's in heaven, which means he's the one who's sovereign, ruling, and reigning. Other thoughts on our, our Father in heaven? You had, as you've been thinking about this passage? I think of our, I think of not just this church, but Good. all yeah. of the Christians, which Good. is a lot of people. Yeah, it's a lot of people. It's our. Yeah, our Father, all those Christians. And and how is, isn't it amazing that he's able to hear all of our prayers all at the same time? Yeah, there's yeah some language about that. Yeah, but what's actually interesting too, if you think about this, this might blow our mind a little bit. But like we pray, and it's not like he's surprised or, or learning what our prayer was. He's outside of time, so he even knows your prayers before you say the prayers, and he knows everybody's prayers before they ever prayed them. <laughs> right. That's part of that just majesty. And so you go, well, he already knows my prayers. Well, then I just I guess I don't need to pray. <laughs> and that's when we go back to stop asking stupid questions. Pray. That's what you're supposed to do. You pray and let God handle the rest. Don't worry if you can't figure out how that works. It's okay. Sometimes you pray. even 
He gives us hints. Do you have any examples or what you're thinking of there, Mr. Corbin? Well, you can think of somebody uh -huh. out of the blue that you just don't know you pray for them and you tell them later you did that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they were needing prayer. Right. Yeah. It is interesting what, he, what the Spirit does to bring people to mind, things to mind, circumstances, God's providence that He does. Yeah, I was delivering mail one day, and I thought, you know, I was in a really bad state of mind, and mm -hmm. I was trying to get to Mr. Doug called me. Uh-huh. And he prayed for me while I was talking to him on the phone. And yeah. He, you know, he prayed for me, and then my day went perfectly well. Whoa, there we go. And hey, like, He knew I needed him to call me. Right. Somehow or another, he knew, so who knew? Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Doug, call me tomorrow. I want to have a good day. <laughs> early, please. Early. Uh, I don't, know, don't wait till I get through half my day. Give me a call. It's like, you know, how did he know I was in such... Yeah. Well, Just the Lord impressing him on, you know, the Spirit impressing you on his heart. And, and, and when you get... And it was just, I had an unnatural burden on my heart. Right. And that's, guys, that's really important. When we have those things, you need to respond to those things. When the Lord, when the Spirit seems to put those there, don't be like, eh, well, I'm sure she's fine. Yeah. Reach I out. Really needed it. Yeah. Yeah, praise God. Good. Good, 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 good. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We talked about his name. Now, of course, his name is holy. We know that. Uh, so, you know, but it's also weird. To, it has this idea of, um, uh, as I think it was uh, Al Mohler was talking about, holify your name. <laughs> Make your name holy. In our lives, in our church, in this world. Make your name holy, Lord. Uh, last week we jumped into uh, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we talked about, um, there's you know different ways that people look at this passage, but we definitely at least want to say that our hearts need to be focused on the fact that we want the Lord's will to be done, right? And that's really hard for us sometimes because for us, we'll say that, you know, Lord, I really want this to happen, so I'm going to pray this way. And we might tack on, not my will, but your will be done, but do we actually really mean that? Do we really want the Lord's will, even if his will is different than what our will would be or what our answer would be? And the idea of we do want um, his kingdom to come, that is something that we, would, we want to see. We want to see the things of his kingdom and um, the peace and the justice. Those are good things that Christians should desire. But we also want his kingdom to rule over us in our lives and in our hearts and, and such. And so we spent a good amount of time on that last week. And then, did we get into verse 11? Does anyone remember? Give us this day our daily bread. What does that mean? How many of you pray that every day? Yeah? God, give me bread today? Well, I thank Him for it. Thank Him? Okay, so thank you for meals, right? So there's a side of thanking Him for, for that. So what, is, what, is it, what does it communicate, this part? What, what is this communicating when we're praying? Remember, this is Jesus telling us to pray this. He's giving us this model prayer, this example prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. What is it communicating? It's like a spiritual side also. Hmm. Is it a spiritual side also? What do you mean? Give us your word. Okay. 
Man should not live by bread alone. Where did, look, that was pretty recent, somewhere in here. Pretty sure. In his temptation before there was an answer there. So I think, I think that's one of those things that you really could say that it's kind of a both and there. Is it, should we be praying for uh, the Lord to supply our daily needs when it comes to our daily food thing? Should we, should we ask him for that? But doesn't he promise he's going to do that? We should still pray for it. But there have been days of famine. Sure. So. So praying, asking the Lord. There are, there is still this idea. What it, when you're even praying for something as simple as daily bread? What is that teaching you? Dependence. Dependence. Good. Relying on God. To be praying for your even my daily bread. To pray for that. <coughs> It is teaching you that truly, where does your bread come from? I don't care if you go and work. You're supposed to. And I don't care if you go to the store and buy it. <laughs> it's still from the Lord. It is still from his good hand. So, on the physical side, it would include that. And then the spiritual side. I think, I mean, he is the bread of life. Christ himself. And his word is, is, his, is our bread. So there's give me your word daily. So there's that kind of spiritual side. Give me more of you, Christ. Why? Again, I need you. So there's an idea of dependence and need here. If you don't pray for more of Christ, more of his word, and just for food, then you're probably thinking you're, rely, you're probably relying on yourself a lot more than you should be. Other thoughts here? You could translate that cake, Ms. Barbara. <laughs> so what is your point about that? We need to ask for our needs. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. What did she say? So I never pray for we should, We're not praying for our wants. He doesn't say, give us this day our daily cake or M&Ms. He's talking about bread. You could say, give us this day our daily coffee, though. That does fit. Yeah. We better tell Miss Barbara to be silent because she's preaching. <laughs> <laughs> preaching back there. Meddling too, a little bit. That's good though. No, you're right, Miss Barbara. That's true. Give us what we need. Lord, give us what we need. Hey, do you, do you, those of you who have raised children and maybe some who are still doing it, do you, did you make them ask for things at home? Ask for food or ask for things, especially when they were younger. Mom, can I have an orange? Dad, can I have this? You're their, you're their parent. Why would, they, why would they even need to ask? Why, what are you teaching them with their asking? Yeah, communicate. There's a relationship there. I'm not just a vending machine. There's a relationship. What else? Can't have anything you want. Might need to come to me to find out if it is something that you need versus something that you don't need. What's that? Back to dependence. And dependence is linked to humility. It's linked to humility. I need you. I understand that I cannot do this on my own. I cannot figure out what I truly need. I can tell you a lot of things I think I need. But usually my list of what I need and God's list of what I need, they don't really match up very often, do they? Sometimes, but... Mr. Ray, go ahead. There's a proverb uh, that's referenced here. Um, Proverbs 30 says, Feed me with the food that is needful for me, 
lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So huh. it, it's, it's basically saying, you know how much I need. You know how I much I need. Keep me dependent on you. Keep right. One of, the, one of the saddest things, and Tom and Ginger will tell you this too if you sit down and talk with them some, but one of the hardest things for us and, and being back in the States is we feel like we don't live on faith as much as we used to because everything's here. Except toilet paper and hand sanitizer for a season. And then we became very dependent on the Lord again. Thankfully, God knew our needs, and you church members, when we first got here, gave us so much toilet paper that we were fine. For those of you who were not here when we first got here, everyone brought housewarming gifts, and it was toilet paper by the bundles. I mean, it was, it was a lot of toilet. We didn't have enough space for all the toilet paper. And we weren't sure, like, what is going on here? Did you sell it? I wish we'd have held on to it. It was like stock or something, gold. And, man. <laughs> Eventually we used it. We got through it. It took two years, but we got through it. It was, for sure. I think um, it's just interesting because you can go through this prayer and it's just kind of this, you know, just worrying about the, the spiritual, like your spiritual needs. But mm -hmm. It's just amazing. Like nowhere in scripture does do you ever see the, the spiritual and the physical separated, but they're... But it's it's linked together. Right. Like we we should be worshiping God in, in uh, by by what we eat, as much as like how how we act towards each other. Right. And and we should care. About, we should be thanking the Lord. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things I started doing instead of saying, "Lord, thank you for the for this food. Let it go to the nourishment of our bodies," which is something I prayed and sometimes I don't even think about. Right. I go, Lord, thank you for the ingredients that you created and the minds that, that, sure. that you that you molded to that that formed these delicious meals. And then it becomes like Yeah. Yeah, I've heard people kind of critique, you know, prayers and oh, thank you for these different items. And well man made that. That came from man. That was, you know, and, the, and so the, why are you thinking God? That came well, like you're saying those materials even, whether it's a, a, an object or the food itself, the that's coming from God and then the mind to do it and the fact that you have it. I mean, all those things are ways you can break down and go, wow, I actually have a lot to be thankful for. And it's just a book. I didn't realize that. Or it's just a, a cupcake or you know, something like that. What's that? Get back to the root of it. Right, the root of it. And so that's, you know, when you get back to that, you go, oh, wow, yeah, I have a lot to be thankful for here. Other things? Did I see somebody else's hand This next one is where I want to camp a little bit more tonight. Because I'm sure this is so easy for all of us. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. What comes to mind there? That's a hard one. Why is that a hard one? What's that? <laughs> I'm using this prayer to say the Lord should cancel or the, yeah, Lord should make the bank cancel my debt. It makes you look at yourself before you look at others. Yeah. You have to balance how well you forgive with how much you've been forgiven. Mm. 
You gotta look here first before you look at the other person. Now, what's the point of looking here first? Why? Why would God? Why would God do that? Why would Christ teach us to look here first before looking at other people? Law. Okay, so she's talking about taking the log out of our own eye, right? Before, so when we're talking about someone's sin, before you run to that person about their sin, you need to take the log out of your own eye, so that way you can see clearly the speck in theirs. Again, notice it doesn't say that you're not ever supposed to help your brother or sister with their sin. That's not what that's saying. What it's saying is you better look at yourself first and do eye surgery and get the log out of your own eye. So that's, that's the key. We're looking at ourselves, and what you should find in looking at yourself is that your sin is greater than the other person's. Now, why would that be the case? Well, because when you look at yourself, the Spirit can reveal to you and through the scriptures as well, all the various sin that you have, right? You may say, well, I'm trying to forgive this person because they murdered my spouse, and I didn't murder anybody, so that's a bigger sin than what I've done. So why would I need to look at myself? I don't need to, that's a bigger sin. Well, looking at ourselves will show all, hopefully, all of our sin, and that is a lot that's going on there. Looking at deep in our hearts asking God to search us to show us our sin. Yeah. This has been happening to me lately. Okay. I'll start to say something about somebody or something. Okay. And all of a sudden in my mind something will come like, but you. Mm. And I've never had this happen before. Wow. And then I'm like, okay, forget it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never mind. Right? And I'm not necessarily seeing it out loud. Right. You know, I'm just thinking it. Yeah. God says but you. Yeah. And so for us say, yeah. So on this forgiveness idea, that's good, Miss Andrew. Tell me some passages that you use. Because people, we wrong each other all the time. People wrong us all the time. Do they not? I mean, this happens all the time. What passages do you use to fight that battle? When we have sin issues, we're supposed to use the Word of God to help take, to take these things captive and fight. And so what are some passages that you use to help battle this? Now, the Lord's Prayer would be one of those, right? Pray the Lord's Prayer, okay. What else? What other passages teach us things about forgiveness and with others? Seven times seven, I don't worry. Seven times 70, that's a good one. Where's it at? <laughs> Matthew, good. A little further. Somebody have a concordance? Phone? <laughs> oh, it's Matthew 18. Matthew 18. Let's flip there. Check it out. Now Sandra says, eh, use this. Matthew 18. Matthew 18 has the famous passage that talks about church discipline and when somebody sins against you, go to them, bring somebody else. Yeah just, yeah, just before this, someone sins against you, you go to them, then bring somebody else and put them before the church. Where three, two or three are gathered my aim, there I am with them, passage. Then, starting in verse 21, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, 
How often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Those are weird numbers. Seventy times seven. Four hundred nine. Four hundred nine. I do it four hundred nine times. What's what? What's what? What does this mean? Why is he asking seven times? Why does Peter first say seven times? I wonder. Yeah, it could be ideas of completion, right? There's that kind of idea in Scripture. When you see that number, it's kind of a fullness number, maybe. So, but Jesus' point, 77 times, or 70 times 7, or whatever, what's his point? Pretty clear, right? As many times as it takes. Right, that's where we're going to go. He goes straight into this parable, which I promise you, if every time somebody offends you, you go to this parable, you will, it will, the Spirit will use it in your life. This parable is, I believe, just so helpful and painful at the same time. Let's read, uh, let's read, the, read the parable. Uh, Mr. Phil Parker, would you be willing to start in 23? Yep. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle a count with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one had brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Mm. And as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that they had, and the payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion. Okay, story is, he owes him, what does your study Bible say, 10,000 talents? What does your study Bible say at the bottom? How much is that, how much are we talking here? More than he's ever going to pay back. More than he can ever pay back. Okay, that's how much he owes. So is the, is the master being unfair here? By demanding him pay, be paid what he, you know, pay back what, what's owed. Is he being unfair there? Not fair. Pay back what you owe. This guy falls down and says, "I can't do that." Right? All right. Maybe going, going to be sold. You, and look at this. Not just him, but his wife and children. There's a lot to learn there. Like financially, you could apply that. You know, making bad decisions and how that affects your family but also kind of legacy when it comes to uh, sin, sinful decisions, things like that, and how it can tie up and affect even your kids and your wife and grabs everybody, right? So he falls down, and the master, what does the master have on him? He has pity. Now, what, a real quick side note here. Why do, why, do, why, do we often, why do we hear this phrase, don't pity me? You ever heard somebody say, don't, don't pity me? What does that mean? When do we use that? Why do we say that? Don't pity me. Hmm? Don't feel bad for me. Okay. I think when it's used in that context, it, it, it's a feeling of you are saying that they're acting superior over you. Uh, there's another yeah. word that I can't think of. Okay. In other words, it's, it's, it's more of a demeaning thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As, a, as, a, as, as opposed to compassion. Compassion. 
Yeah, the positive side of pity is mercy. It's very similar to mercy. Have mercy on me. It'd be very, very, very in a very positive sense. Most many times we don't want people to have pity on us, but usually that would be linked to a pride issue, or could be linked to a pride issue in our heart. Don't have pity on me. So he's saying, hey, he knows he's amazing. He doesn't care. Have pity on me. Does he seem genuine? The guy who's crying out. Does he seem genuine in this? He seems to be, right? Have, what's he asked for? Have patience with me, and I'll, I'll pay you everything. And the fact that he says, I'll pay you everything, and the guy says, no, you won't, but you know what? Release him. Forgive the debt. Did not have to do that at all. Did not have to do that, but he does it. Somebody else pick up there in 28. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Wow. Stop there. What about that? Now, the other amount was way more than he could ever pay. How much was this that he was owed? A day's labor. <laughs> One day. He's forgiven that debt and he goes to collect it from this other person. And when he refuses, he went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And choked him. And choked him. Okay? When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported it to their master all that had taken place. They see that this is messed up. We reading this see that this is messed up, right? We're like, oh, how could anyone ever do this? That's terrible. No way. No, no, no. Like, how, this guy's just awful. Now Jesus is going to smack us with it. <laughs> Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not have you had had mercy, there's our word, on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. So my heavenly Father will do every to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother. Watch this. From your heart. That's an interesting little end to put on that. From your heart. How can I forgive somebody that is not from my heart? So I, I like what Sandra said about uh, sometimes I have thoughts about people, kids in school who are misbehaving. Right. And I find myself categorizing them. Right. It's a bad kid. That kid is another stuff. Right. And I think it may be true, but the point is when you turn it around and say, but how often has God re, uh, forgiven me for having no respect for him? Right. And how often have I dishonored God? Right. And 
by what I did or said. Right. Do you think this? Do you think this guy was remembering his master and how much his master forgave him when he was running around doing this? He completely left his mind. Okay. Point. When you take your mind off of the gospel and how much you've been forgiven, you can be very quick to run and not forgive other people. The point is to look at yourself, as you pointed out, and go, think about how much I have been forgiven. The point of how much we're forgiven is you could never pay it back. And it's also noticed this is a servant versus another servant. Don't miss that here. And a master and a servant. To do this to the master is worse because of the master's position. For us, God should not, did not have to in any way forgive us as much. He is holy. He has every right to make us quote-unquote pay. And he doesn't. But yet, sinful me wants to hold out against sinful you and make you pay back everything. And oh, you're going you're gonna to pay back. And if you don't, I'm going to punish you. Now, I don't throw other people into prison when they do something against me. What are ways that we do not forgive, that it comes out? The cold shoulder. That's a big one. Freeze them out. <laughs> we do it. What else? Become angry and resentful towards spiteful. Resentful, spiteful, little comments. Isn't it amazing, man? The, and the people we love the most in our lives, we know right where to shoot them. We know what bullet to use on getting them, don't we? What button to push. And we use it. And we use it. Why? Because we've taken our eye off the gospel and how much we're forgiven, and so I'm going to make you pay. Then, when I give the cold shoulder and they don't respond the right way, then I get mad about the way they're responding to the cold shoulder that I was giving. But I was right in giving the cold shoulder because you... Yeah. It's downhill. And what the clear teaching here is, if you think for a second that your sin against God is one day's wage and their sin against you is unforgivable, you don't get the gospel. You, you don't. And that's why he can say, and so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. One key sign, if you are carrying around this one person you will not forgive, I'm going to tell you, I don't think you've lost your salvation. I think you don't, maybe don't have it. Because you don't understand forgiveness. If you cannot forgive, like you will not do it, I'm not going to do it, and you hold that, and you never get there, I'm just going to say, I don't know, according to these texts, if you've understood forgiveness. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't get hard and people sin against us and we have to battle through it and I don't want to forgive and it keeps coming up. I'm not saying there's a battle. If there's a battle going on, that's one thing. But if you just have that, and I've had Christians look right at me and go, yeah, but I'll never forgive my dad. I'll never forgive my brother. I'll never forgive this person. To say that phrasing that you will never forgive goes slap in the face of this text and other texts saying 
you're saying, I've not tasted forgiveness. I'm this God in here who will not forgive. So what if, um, like, I agree that it's completely and that's wrong, but what if they're the victim of, like, a heinous, like, crime or something? Like, what if that person murdered their spouse? Or what if they were taken advantage of? Or what if, how, because that's hard. That's hard to forgive when you've been Yeah. So, it's one thing that you weren't nice to me. It's another that you murdered my spouse. You did this, you did right. that, right? Something very, very serious. So what are you, what are you asking? Like, Is it okay for them not to forgive? No, no, no. Like, I'm asking, I guess, like, how do you get there? How do you get there? Yes, how do you get there? Well, that's part of what I'm asking you. Is it, okay to Is it okay to struggle? How many Christians in here say it's okay to battle and struggle with forgiveness? That's what you need the Spirit. Right? Yeah. You won't be able to do it without without that, sure. So then how do you get there? Well, I think part of what I'm pointing out right now is you have to keep your eye on the gospel. Because <coughs> you still have to say, even someone killing someone, what do I go to? Hmm. What if I have anger in my heart and I hate somebody? What is what is what does Jesus say with this? It's murder. I mean, it, it, that's what he says. James, why are there fights and quarrels among you? Right? Because you want something and you don't get it, and so you fight and you quarrel. But you know what else he says there? You murder one another. They weren't really murdering each other at the church there, I don't think. I don't think they're going around like, oh, yeah, you want the red carpet? Boom! You know, or at that time, knife. I don't think that's what they were doing. What were they doing? They were hating one another. And so James says, like Christ says, yeah, that's murder. If I keep a biblical perspective, and I have to rely on the peace of God, the God of all peace that surpasses all, how could you forgive somebody there? It's supernatural. It is the work of God inside of you. It has to be, right? It has to be. There's no way you could do it humanly. Right. Humanly, not going to be possible. There has to be a thing. I think that for me, I'm speaking of me, mm -hmm. there has to be a point which I understand that I don't care how much scripture I know, I don't care how many sermons I listen to, my heart is wrong mm -hmm. on this issue. Right. And the only way that I can get right is through the help of the Lord. Right. Because yes. He has the power, I don't. Right. You I'm need that same power. Yeah, you need the same power that rose Jesus from the grave to right. be able to change you. Which I think has to be requested, or should be. If it doesn't have to be, it should be requested. Yeah. Otherwise, you're apt to fail. Yeah. So when you request it, the question is, will he give it? Yeah. And in Luke, it says he will. Right. He won't give you a stone. He won't give you a snake. He will give you the power over that. Mm -hmm. Which doesn't mean you don't have to try anymore. It doesn't mean you don't have to know Scripture. It doesn't mean any of that. Right. But it, 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 it must include that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not going to be a one-time thing. No. Never. It's going to keep coming up. It's going to keep coming and coming and coming. And Satan's going to know that and keep tempting and tempting in your own flesh. And it's just going to... That will be a thorn probably in your flesh, if you will. And it's not something that will go away in this life. And so you have to battle. But the question is, is there a battle? Because... You are new. God has given you a spirit. Or is it just, I'll never forgive that person. You've met, the, you've met those people. I don't know if some of you are there, but I'll never forgive that person. 
just know what this text is saying if that's you. Now you may say, I don't know how I ever could forgive them. Well, <laughs> cry out to God, <laughs> you know, keep focused on the gospel. That's how it happens. It's not going to be on your own strength, like you were saying. It's got to be supernatural. It's got to take a change. Josh? I was going to say, there's a lot of examples. Um, you can go on YouTube and find this. Um, I think there was a mass shooting in a, in a black church in Alabama. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you get the chance to the, for the people to look good and square in the right. face and, you know, tell them off. And many people in that congregation were saying what you did was awful. Right. You destroyed us. Right. You, you, you hurt us. You deserve right. punishment. Um, but we forgive you. Right. And um, one of the things that they said that still brings me to tears is they said, and I'm so glad you came, because he shot him up on a Sunday. He, they said, I'm so glad you came to church and, uh, and, and you were, you were at, at church that Sunday. Mm -hmm. and, it, and, you, and then there was another example of a guy who murdered uh, someone and the father steps up and he said, you've a lot, and people were telling him off and just all yeah, that. And right. the father, and, who was a Christian man, said, You've done uh, you've done something really awful, and um, but I want you to know I I forgive you. Yeah. And these examples, you know, it's not something that is easy, and I'm sure it took them forever. But it can only the only way that that can possibly be is through the work of the Spirit. And right. I mean, you you see those constantly. Yeah. So it that you have literal videos of mm -hmm. examples of believers looking their murderers straight in right. the face and saying, I forgive you. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. that's what I would... It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be super, it's a supernatural thing, mm -hmm. right? And so there's encouragements with that um, and examples of that. And you'd have to keep in mind, again, um, but the grace of God, that, that would be me. I mean... I, have I been mad enough in my life that if I would have had the opportunity and the means in that moment to kill somebody, would I have probably, probably, in those moments, probably. Um, but I know going back to, in my heart, have I murdered? I'm a serial killer sometimes. I mean, that's, think about it. I mean, we, whew, right? Oh, well, but my wife, she committed adultery. I could never forgive her. You know what Jesus says about that too with your heart? If you look after some, a woman in lust, you've committed adultery. So remembering those things as well, keeping a biblical perspective. And notice, this is why when Jesus is saying, when you pray, pray like this. And see what he puts in there? This forgiveness factor. Because he knows, as we said, he knows that's going to be hard for us. He knows we're going to be wrong. He knows that things are going to be messed up and sinful. He knows that you're going to be hurt. And so he says, pray like this. You're going to need that over and over and over. Right? Well, that's true. He does say vengeance is his. And so what do you do? Ultimately, you say, Lord, you'll take care of it. And then you can let it go. Right? So many times the reason we can't let things go is because somebody got away with it. Or we think they did. Right? No, you badmouthed me and, and this happened and you need to pay for that. And just knowing, okay, one day the Lord will make it right. He will. And remembering that. But also remembering 
that if I've done things, <laughs> it will come out. Now, we're forgiven, of course, by Christ, but that doesn't mean it will come out. So it's much better to go to people now and reconcile and be forgiven now. So that way it's not a surprise. You know, uh, I love, again, part of taking the Lord's Supper. And some of you and some others have said it's so good that we take it regularly so you guys can be reconciled before church and before we take the Lord's Supper so that if you were fighting, you say, hey, we can't take the Lord's Supper. We need to fix this. Um, yeah, bring us over. Okay, just to add another dimension to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, this, thought, this thought came to me today when I was in a class of um, 12 kids, none of which, as far as I could tell, have ever been in a church or right. no, anything. Right. Uh, I mean, nothing. Yeah. And this is not unusual now. Right. This is not unusual. And I was, I guess, I had to discuss a story with them. Right. And the heroine in this story was coveting. That's yeah. what she was doing. Okay. She was desiring more than she had. Right. And I tried to delve into that. And it suddenly occurred to me they have no category for absolute wrong. They have no category for sin. They have none. All right. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Sin is not a word they comprehend. Right. And this is a generation of people right. in our town, the Cedar Key, who don't know the gospel mm-hmm. and have no category for sin. Right. How can they forgive someone? They cannot. Yeah. Because there's no sin. Right. Not only can't they forgive you, be careful. Because it will be painful to deal with them. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to treat you nice or differently than they wish you would be. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. The, the, the reason I brought that up is I never realized how, I don't think before I saw that or thought about it today, how devastating that is to them. Mm-hmm. I think, think about how devastating that is to that child. That young man. Yeah. He's going to walk into the world. No category for right or wrong. This is this has not been this way forever. Not if we get our after school program going. That's, that's right. And share with them. The reason, the reason Teach I, them. The reason I thought of it is it, it, it never dawned on me before how pervasive this is in our culture. But what's coming down the river? Yeah, but what's interesting, but what's interesting too is they don't have categories for it. But yet, in, in, they still can they can still experience and feel oh, when they're oh, wrong. Don't, you don't know what I mean? Them. Yeah, they they don't feel that them. right, and 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 but then they don't know how to explain it, and there can't be the forgiveness and reconciliation. No. That can't happen. So what do you have? Lack of peace, broken homes, broken everything, yeah. and there's no way to get that except through Christ. Yeah. In Colossians three. Paul, he's talking about put on and put off, and that's really walking with the Spirit, walking with the Spirit. And he says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. It's always linked there, right? Uh, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. What's interesting there is that is not written for how believers are to work with unbelievers. We should do that, but this letter is written to the church. So what does that mean? This is happening in the church. We are going to offend if somebody has a complaint. And so it's not like it's 
us and them. This is just all of us, including inside of the church. And so the important thing is to not allow that to fester in the church as well. Somebody has a complaint, go and forgive. Make sure that we're forgiving one another. And so praying that model prayer that Jesus has in the, in the Lord's Prayer, and don't forget that part. Don't skip over quickly the, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But take that time and go, Lord, show me myself, show me my sin. And then, okay, who's out there, Lord, that I need to forgive? And usually if we have the attitude that Paul has that he's the chief of sinners, if that's our mentality that we're the chief of sinners, then usually we're going to extend a lot more grace to people. And then when we get off of that and we start thinking that we deserve this or this, uh, others shouldn't do that, then we don't extend as much grace and it usually doesn't go well. Any last thoughts before we end? something that you haven't done before, it's a big step, I don't know, you're going to speak in front of 10,000 people, you're going to do something big, you would, God, please help me with this. The problem is we overestimate ourselves all the time. You need Jesus. As someone said, I need Jesus to do this, and they said, oh, please, you need Jesus to go to Walmart. And that's true. You need Jesus to brush your teeth, you need Jesus to do everything, and when that's your mentality, then you're going to be a lot more dependent and prayerful and thankful. But there's a lot of things that we say, I got this. In our society, it's really hard. We've made it very hard to even say to one another, I need you. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, so that's weakness. And some people think when you do pray about little things, which I do all the time, yeah. that that's bothering God. And I'm sorry, but I don't believe that. Well, think about the insanity of that statement. Yeah, exactly. That you're bothering God if you come to Him with little things. I lose something. <laughs> you know? What? How could you? How could you bother him with like extra? Lord, I know this is. I know this one too. I love this one. Just so you know, don't. But this is you. Well, I'm not going to apologize. Don't say this. <laughs> I know you're busy, <laughs> and I, I know I come to you. But you know, I'm just. Could you help me out? That is not how we pray at all. Somebody else posted, and you know how I love these Facebook things. And some of this is ways that I watch you sheep sometimes. <laughs> you special sheep. Somebody put, pray in such a way that when you get to heaven, God looks at you and says, you kept me busy. <laughs> what a stupid way to think. First of all, you're just really boasting about yourself and how holy you are is what that statement actually is. And it's, yeah, that's what God's going to do. Oh, man, I could barely keep up with all your prayers. 
Come on. No, not how it works. He loves for us to pray because it shows that He is our Father. He's the one who is great. He's the one that we need. He's the one that we go to.